I might just do like a huge sigh just to kind of get one of them out of the way. <sighs> Here we go. Here we go. <sighs> I might make I might just clip that out and make that the cold open. Welcome to Different Gravy, not just another Sheffield Wednesday podcast. I'm one of the hosts, Richard Miller, uh, sometimes known as Richard Gravy. And uh, I'm joined today, as always, by my wonderful co-host, the chief exec of chat, the baron of badinage, the general of gravitas, Sir, Sir Gledol, lord of small talk. How are you doing today, Luke? <laughs> Very good. Oh, I'm really terrible at small talk. I really don't like it, Rich. I hate to break it to you. Oh, no. But, uh, anyway. I, it, it was a lovely intro. Thank you so much. It's nice to be uh, it's nice to be heralded and thought of such nice words. And uh, yes, thank you very much. Let's uh, let's move on. <laughs> Do you think you're saying that sometimes these introductions might be factually incorrect? That is, I you know maybe I just maybe I think you should just uh, include some citations. You know, a bit like Wikipedia. <laughs> Maybe I'll just pop up with citation needed. Citation needed. Again, lovely small talk to uh, pop up with the citation needed. <laughs> oh, I'd I like often, to see the numbers behind that, actually. I'm often breaking the ice at work with citation needed. On people. <laughs> How was your weekend? It was good. Citation needed. <laughs> proof, Sandra. I want to say proof. That's, uh, you know, we can all say we've had good weekends, but, uh, you know, what have I got to show for it? <laughs> Are there ticket stubs? Please. Uh, <laughs> right. Well, we should. Um, we should. I suspect we've got a fair bit to get into today. Um, but uh, we should. So we should whistle along uh, too. Breaking hoo hoos. The hoo hoos that broke uh, this week. We had a little bit of an injury update, which is nice because we've had a few players that kind of disappeared off the face of the earth. So getting a, a little bit of an update of where they're up to was 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 quite good. So uh, Moses Odabajo, who was last seen having probably his best performance in a Wednesday shirt uh, at left back, apparently was has been training with the team again this week. And uh, the same goes for Massimo Luongo, who certainly is a player that's got better and better in his absence. But, um, you know, we are crying out for uh, Action Mass to bring his bring the action in midfield, aren't we, Luke? I think we signed up for Action Mass and not Traction Mass, really. Yes. Um, I think we should get back to the Antipodean manufacturer and uh, let them know our complaints. <laughs> well, they're... Uh, if I'm uh, there's this sort of documentary series, it drips out in sort of thirty second, one minute long intervals uh, during the uh, the advertising breaks on TV, and I believe Australians mainly just drink Fosters, so that might be where something's fallen down in the manufacturing process there, um, because they're just waiting for a break to have a, a nice ice cold Fosters. I wish they would have given a Castleman Forex about his uh, putting together, though, Rich. <laughs> We I always. mean, this was, uh, you know, uh, Massimo Luongo, a player who on paper should be the answer to our dreams. And at times has looked like the answer. Mm. The answer to our dreams? What am I talking about? Maybe the answer to our nightmares. <laughs> oh, dear. 
It's because I'm just so, the problem is that I'm so good at small talk, I'm not good at the big talk. <laughs> I'm maybe just not good at talking overall, I think, really. It's a thing I kind of consider with myself on a daily basis. Um, but anyway, Massimo Luongo should have been the player that really would have solved some problems in the middle of the park for us. And uh, it's been a monumentally frustrating time that he hasn't been able to get kind of like a head of steam of form kind of going with us for numerous yeah. different reasons. And, and he seemed a player who's been kind of, you know, almost kind of getting close to that starting, you know, um, you know, close to the squad six match day squad 16 on numerous occasions. And yet, you know, seemingly never getting there. And um, it's been really frustrating hearing about the injury updates regarding Luongo. Well, yeah, the, the, the you know, last scene getting sent off in that Blackburn game, which was then overturned. And uh, then he picked up a mystery injury and we've we've not seen anything from him since. Um yeah, I think you know, I'd go along with your your thing saying that he's the answer to our dreams, you know. I think dreams are a riddle and uh the only way to solve them is Massimo Luongo. Uh, <laughs> there's also a bit of positive news about Adam Reach um sort of returning to, to training next week. So fingers crossed we'll be looking really strong for that final stretch of games against Huddersfield, Fulham and Middlesbrough um in, in about, you know, two months time. Um so I mean, you know, obviously a lot of dreams are riddles and if they're all Wednesday based, then you know, we may ask ourselves, why am I riding a unicorn looking like Tom Lee's at a fairground <laughs> while um you know Adam Reach is trying to sell me toffee apples with his left wing missives. You know, and then the answer to that clearly is Massimo Luongo. You know, I actually think you should vote for Bernie. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> have a toffee, have a toffee apple, have a think on it. But um, I think you'll find, uh, you know, universal healthcare is actually good for all of us. <laughs> <laughs> Just gently coaxing you towards the left is Adam Reed. <laughs> With his sweet treats. <laughs> Um, and obviously, the other the other sort of big happening in the week was um, a big showpiece uh, FA Cup match with Manchester City. Um, fairly well attended. There was rumours ahead of time that there was going to be sort of two men and their dog there. Um, fairly but even well- though it was you know Hillsborough and we playing blue and white, we did roll out the red carpet effectively. All the stars <laughs> were there. You know, Aguero was there, Raheem Sterling was there, and in the crowd, uh, Pikachu and Raymond Briggs as a snowman were also there as well. <laughs> Um, but it was, I mean, it was fun. I, I, um, I took a little uh, holiday to the north uh, for, for the match. Um, it looked like a lot of folks from the cop had uh, had probably uh, jumped on the uh, the opportunity to sit somewhere else for 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 the relatively uh, reasonable ticket price. Uh, so the the south was looking nice and full, and the north was looking pretty good, and the, the cop was looking fairly bereft. Um, but a, a good turnout from City fans and, and quite a fun sort of atmosphere. There was a lot of back and forth uh, between our, our sort of Hooli contingent and uh, and the City fans. Uh, all, all good-natured, lots of fun swears. Uh, um, but... Um, <laughs> What, what did you make of the match itself? Um, the game was also brought to us by Viagra Connect, uh, in case the game is giving anyone issues staying up. And uh, unlike Viagra, we lasted a lot longer than usual before we conceded. Isn't that right, Rich? It was. I mean, it's amazing having a having an actual structure to the midfield and defence seemingly had some sort of positive effect. Uh, you, the sort of thing you'd maybe take into the next game in, in by way of a, a learning, wouldn't it be? 
you know, I think you learn, would, yeah. I think I think that would be the thing that you would aim to do. You would try and build off your positives and push forward. So I think the, the sort of a couple of the big things from the game. So obviously, City had an awful lot of possession, um, created some good chances, but but by and large, we we did a fairly good job. Um, holding them off, uh, they did bring a, you know, they did bring, as you say, all the stars. They, they brought a full, full strength team, really. Um, maybe not all their absolute first choice players, but every one of them is is kind of a, a storied international player. Uh, so certainly, no, there's no slouching and no no kids being run out. Uh, mm. But yeah, by and large, I think we did a fairly good job. There was a, there's always a, you know, going to be little slips and things like that. Um, but the, so the, I think the big questions coming out of it. it is what do you make of the performance of the goalkeeper? Um, it's been subject to a fair amount of discussion. Wildsmith pulled off some really good saves, uh, by and large looked looked fairly good. Although, as just seems to be the case with uh, with our goalkeeping situation, um, could, probably could and should have done better with the goal that he conceded. Uh, so does that? I think that was a little bit harsh because I okay. I think. In the kind of law of averages, he really was under the caution. He was peppered with a lot of shots. I I can kind of see that argument that you would say he should have done better with that goal. But I also think that it was, you know, maybe just kind of a law of averages. I think he did exceptionally well considering the circumstances. I think, you know, given the whole context and... um, how sort of shaky Dawson's look, the fact that Monk has, you know, <laughs> fallen out with with um, Westwood to the point where presumably we'll never see him play again under, under Monk. Um, I think Wildsmith did enough to probably earn a run out, another try. Uh, it was I was surprised to see Dawson in, in the lineup today, to be honest. Yeah, that. I know we need to kind of, I don't want to kind of fully segue yet. I want to kind no, of talk no. about Man City because it was... Um, it was quite a positive, which, you know, seemingly we kind of came up with midweek, you know, like like the other week when we, you know, beat Charlton 1-0 and then turned up at Hillsborough and shit the bed in front of Wayne Rooney's Derby County. Yes. Um, you know, it's it's a real frustrating thing that it would have been nice to talk longer and have that lasting effect of such a positive. Um, Do you think part of it is that Monk, because he's such a planner, he can't sort of take, he can't process new data because he will have had the team planned and probably run drills with the team for for the game, the you know today's game, the weekend's game. Do you think he can't Wednesday's too? He can't feed that into his system. <laughs> Do you, I don't know. I'm just maybe I'm trying too hard. To no, it, well, it a, seems a to be we seem to have difficulties with playing two games in a week. Yeah. I think we have difficulties with playing games in general. To be honest, <laughs> yeah. yeah, the game of football apparently. If you get those guys playing snap, absolutely brilliant. <laughs> is that why Tom Lees is already con- uh, continuously, um, you know, surprised? He's just surprised. He thought it was going to be uh, begging my neighbour today, and it turns out it's a game of football instead. Well, that's why, you know, when he puts his hand up and lets a defender run past him, he's, he's shouting, go fish! And he's really... <laughs> <laughs> Oh, 
Deary, deary, deary. I just, I, I know we've got a lot to kind of cover and get on. I also don't want to talk about Brentford a great deal. I do want to talk a lot about Man City because it was, it was fun and it was positive and it was kind of like, it was, you know, the, the cup has given us a little bit of a, I mean, there's an argument really, is there like, has the cup been positive or detrimental? Or I, I almost think the cup, in my opinion, I think the cup has been option C, which is just, it's completely its own thing. I think that generally. And it's just been, it's like just we've suddenly been invited to play a game of football on Mars and suddenly there's a different gravity and a different feel <laughs> and uh, suddenly we're all right. Suddenly we have a bit of structure and, you know, in some of those games we know how to score goals and keep clean sheets. Um, but I I don't know. I, that's the difficult thing. We were saying we were hoping that some of that positive would kind of uh, carry on. Um, I do want to keep just making, I've made a bunch of um, silly observations about the Man City please, game. Please. So please entertain me and uh, to just kind of go through with this. Um, I really, I love the Man City away kid. It's kind of like a, a beef of swizzle sticks. Or rhubarb uh, and custard. It is very rhubarb and custard, yes. It is, <laughs> it's a bit uh, pick and mix, pick and mix high fashion. Yeah. And, you know, it really gives uh, all the pizzazz of seeing uh, Riyad Mahrez sky into the cop as well. Yes. <laughs> Uh, well, um, we, we we really played on the rhubarb and custard thing by playing the uh, the theme tune as as the teams walked out. <laughs> Set a really strong atmosphere for the game ahead. So I I had the difficulty of I watched the game. I watched the game after it had happened. Um, I signed up for uh, signed up for a sports subscription through one of the broadcasters here, Sportsnet. For the I, I paid for the monthly. One month okay. of all the bells and whistles, so I could watch uh, could watch my uh, hockey team, the Calgary Flames, seemingly see if they're gonna, you know, go for the playoffs or bottle it in the process. And I'm, I think I'm pretty sure they're gonna bottle it, even though they've won the last two games. Anyway, so I watched <laughs> the game after the fact that it happened. So when I was kind of looking back, I could see basically that you know it, it was over in ninety minutes, from what I could tell from my feed. So right, yes. You know, it was kind of difficult for them to see, and I can probably think that anyway, to look back and watch it and think, um, you know, after we've conceded, after that goal, you know, I'm like, that was probably it. We're either conceded more or we haven't basically laid a glove on them, you know. And that was pretty much obviously what happened. Uh, the interesting thing I want to bring up about that was from my kind of toolbar, the coding of the game was um, said SWF-MCI. Uh, SWF is obviously the file name for Shockwave Flash files. So much <laughs> like Shockwave Flash, we're good in the 90s and becoming quickly obsolete and unsupported <laughs> by all modern browsers. <laughs> Yeah. Um, so just to kind of mop up as well, you know, just mop up those, some of those stupid comments. I think that was kind yes. of it pretty much. Yes. I mean, that, the Fletcher, ch- to go a bit more serious, the Fletcher chance at 79th minute, that was probably... That's the moment, isn't it? That's the one. That is the moment. That is the absolute moment. And in a lineup from that, I really want to say, and maybe another thing we'll kind of look on and kind of will segue us to talk about uh, away at uh, Brentford today is... It was fantastic to see Alex Hunt given a game 
and to come off the bench and he looked he looked exceptionally bright. He did. He and that, so cross, nice. that cross for Fletcher for the Fletcher chance. That was the one that made me say my notes. That was that was it. That was the chance. Yeah. That was a brilliant kind of lovely, lovely through ball curving cross from Alex Hunt. It was just exactly to have the brightness. Ago, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Just to have the um you know, have the positive thinking and the attitude to make a play like that is something huge. And then to have the to have the skill set to put in something like that is something else. Yeah. And you couldn't help but feel that Fletcher before his injury probably would have got on the end of it because that's the sort of season he had been having. Yeah, I I would agree with you on that one. It's yeah. uh, it was just largely just disappointing all around, I'll be honest, that that opportunity. But um I mean, outside of that, you know, we also got to see some of our players up against some of the the best. I enjoyed this one bit of like I offer up against Sterling. That was quite fun. Yes. Um, it was fun seeing Fletcher came off the bench, right? Fletcher did yeah, come off the bench. Yeah. Did you see the little kind of hand slap he did with Pep Guardiola? No. Had a little bit of uh, kind of ribbing with Pep, which oh, uh, nice. served us to uh, unlikely friends. So, I mean, the entirety of this is just, this is all just a distraction. Yes. It's a distraction, but then can you say it's a negative way? I mean, it hasn't really looked like it's ever interrupted any opportunity for anything positive on the pitch for us during the league. So... I don't know. It's just been. I know. It just I felt think, like a little vacation, a little football <laughs> vacation, really. You know. The only the only thing you can point to negatively, I think, is obviously that was the game that Fletcher got injured in, wasn't it? Was the uh, cup game? But um, yes, rather inoculus, but then inoculus, inoculus kind of. Um, yeah, inoculus riff. He was playing his VR in the middle of a football pitch. He's got to expect accidents to happen. You know that is for the comfort of your own. <laughs> home um in a you know a safe place with no sharp edges frankly you know popping that vr headset on on a football pitch is asking for trouble that's what i would say i know it's controversial sorry luke but that's what i'm coming out with uh, i i accept that i think that's fair uh but you know it, it, injuries are injuries they could happen whenever you know that we, we've talked previously about stupid injuries like Rio Ferdinand reaching for a, a remote control and pulling his hamstring and things you know they, just because it happened in that game doesn't mean it wouldn't have happened in an other game or in training that week or whatever exactly exactly uh, it tends to be a build up of little bits and pieces and then the final trauma is 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 what it is um so yeah uh, that I think that was the thing. You come away thinking, you know, well, one, first and foremost, we didn't embarrass ourselves. That's the thing you're most worried about as a fan. Obviously, the eyes of the world are on you to an extent. We're on the BBC. Um, it would have been nice to have had a little bit more of a go, but I totally understand why the game happened as it happened. And, uh-huh. you know, they're Premier League teams that that try and play the way we did against Man City and, and have worse results. So I think to, a, to an extent, um, you can come away with a lot of pride, especially, you know, you wouldn't have chosen to have that period just after half time where we 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 clearly struggled to settle into that new back four uh when Berner ke- came came off although i thought Berner had a kind of a weird first half to be honest he did some really strange things but but we didn't concede and then tom lees it took him a while to sort of bed into that new position um Although the goal, I think, has to, unfortunately, he had a wonderful game all round. But I also stopped marking Sergio Aguero, who's one of the greatest goal scorers in the history of the English game. And uh, 
he can't do that because he does what he <laughs> what he did basically mm-hmm. you can't have a moment where you fall asleep and let him get four or five yards away from you rather than the three that you're happy to give him because he'll call for the ball they've got players who are good enough to get it to him and uh before you know it he's turned and turned and taken a really good shot uh but yeah by and large fairly positive i th- i was amazed how how good wildsmith looked having not played a game for so long completely yes um i thought his kicking looked Okay, there were, none of the, none of our goalkeepers are good at kicking, so that you know, there's no winner really in in the by way of kicking. I don't think, uh, but yeah, he made some great great saves. His one low uh, when Bernardo Silva had a shot was was really impressive. Um, the one where Mendy had that amazing sort of thunderous effort that he touched onto the bar that was an unbelievably good save. Um, Although, although the commentary uh, on the highlights didn't spot it uh, until afterwards. I think they kind of apologised for that today um, <laughs> at one point. Uh, and as you say, Hunt was the real, for me, the real shining light. Coming away from it, you had that. that's what gave me a sort of sense of pride was he rattled into some challenges. He sort of played some really nice stuff and, and, and uh, intercepted some loose passes and things like that. And just really you come away thinking, oh, great. Well, we need to see a lot more of him. He, he really looks... He looks the business. He looks like he's got a lot to him, uh, particularly with Kieran Lee injured, with the fact we don't play uh, Hutchinson anymore, that surely there's a gap for, for him to, to get some games. Um, so shall we move along to today's Let game? us do that. Let us Hesitate. move on uh, like our lives and like closer to the grave to <laughs> talk about uh, Brentford away. So... We've talked about how you know how we play. Um, sometimes we go four four two. Sometimes we go we play th- a, a three up front, and we've kind of settled our, our kind of high. The hive mind of different gravy feels generally that we're not good enough in midfield. We don't have the personnel to get away with a two most of the time. Uh-huh. Certainly, without Hutchinson, without Luongo, we don't have a two, a natural two that does a good enough job. So, were you really pleased to see the fact that Pelopessi and Bannon were going to be playing midfield together today? Well, I mean, that's an interesting one. I mean, I I kind of saw we can argue about formations that were blue in the face, Rich. And <laughs> sometimes we do. We do. Uh, so. <laughs> um, I, so, from Flashcore, I think they were trying to kind of say that we were playing like a 4-5-1 or a 4-1-4-1 with Pelopessi kind of as a holding midfielder. Right, yeah. Um, I don't know. I I wonder about, you know, we, we talked a lot about uh, Josh Windus, Josh Trumpybum, yes. or the many names that he kind of takes on our podcasts as we are very, very scatologically focused. And um, we have to kind of keep a childish mind because being adults is maddening and adulting is, <laughs> uh, is a nasty thing, is a nasty virus more than the coronavirus that's going around right now. <laughs> so... Anyway, when we kind of look at Josh Windass, I think he's a player who probably thrives through being that kind of free roll live wire. Yes. So, I mean, we, we, we missed out on Kieran Lee. Kieran Lee was another injury that we kind of picked up against the game at Man City. Um, as we know, obviously, Massimo Luongo is not someone who can play. I mean, hindsight is twenty twenty. Now I'm talking about this. I was really hoping just to kind of... Um, Fast forward a little bit in the game. You know, we made the two halftime subs. We were keeping that third one kind of prepped and ready. I was really hoping 
that it would have been um, Alex Hunt to come on. Yeah. And that was severely disappointing. And then to go and look at, obviously, the the, uh, the lineup as well, from a keeper perspective, just to kind of cover that, you know, I think me and you and the host of Wednesday nights are disappointed that Joe Wildsmith wasn't given another shot in the league uh, after such a bright kind of performance midweek. I, I think I am disappointed. I don't know how much is kind of being, uh, being wise after the event, because I did come away thinking yeah. it was a shame... I think if Wildsmith, did, I, I I think it was a bad goalkeeping error for the goal. Um, but I do think the rest of what he did was enough to kind of balance it out. Um, and I, I think overall it was a very positive performance and I would have liked to seen him give it the opportunity. But I think making the mistake for the goal allows you allows the manager to keep with the, the status quo because he could tell himself, well, none of them are particularly good. So we might as well stick with the guy that we know. Uh, you know, he he left that little bit of ambiguity, wiggle room, however, whatever, however you want to phrase it. Um, by by making that error, I think it just opened the door to him not getting the chance. If he'd if it had been a there were shots in that game that went wide or hit the bar that I think it wasn't conceding. It was how he conceded uh, that, that that maybe sort of told the tale. Although. Why not change things? Everything's going pretty badly in the league. Why not change it? Yes, completely. I mean, now is a good time to to do that. It's not like, as we've said, it's not like the Cuppers interrupted interrupted some great promotion push. No, it's not like you know. It's not like um, as you've said, performances are so fantastic that we can't break this. You know, we can't break this losing eleven. Yeah. Um. So anyway, to kind of hop back and forth. Yeah. Sorry. I think that kind of um that focuses if you're playing if you know flash door is telling me i don't know what who scored is telling me today what kind of madness we're making out from formations but you know josh windass is that kind of free role free you know player yeah free bird free bird leonard skinner free bird um so we're probably in that aspect probably going to be kind of leaving Bannon exposed in the middle of the park. Yes. You know, it's probably not going to work out great defensively, even if you've basically put someone who should be technically, you know, the entire hallmark of Joey Pelopesi's game should be that he's a defensive midfielder, but I don't feel that he does it particularly well. Um, so weirdly from the off, had, weirdly had quite a busy first half though. Like he put in a couple of quite, that's funny we can kind of go and talk about that later yeah i mean he was exceptionally and then i mean for what we kind of saw you know i previously kind of said that maybe pelopesi's better games are when he doesn't get that much touch of the touches of the ball he was all over the ball today he was all over the ball and i think he looked i think he looked quite good for it um i i don't want to talk too much about that i want to talk about i want to talk about the player ratings because i think there's okay something interesting to kind of pick up on um but basically defensively in the middle of the park again we're kind of a little bit suspect despite the fact we have a lot of characters there um going out to the wings we had murphy on the on the right wing very happy with murphy starting most weeks now in the kind of um, second half of the season, it's been one of the milder positives from the Sheffield Wednesday team is, you know, is uh, Josh Murphy's Jacob Murphy. <laughs> <laughs> Jacob, Jakob Murphy, Jakob with his cream crackers from uh, Soviet Russia. <laughs> it's been one of the better things about the Wednesday team 
the Wednesday performances. Yes. Yeah. Um, so the only kind of real questions, you know, again, we're starting Fletcher. We're still hoping for minutes to get back up to sharpness, to match fitness, whatever you want to kind of call it at this point. You know, he's he's not looking there. Uh, Cruz is probably the only kind of, I guess with our kind of options, you know, it probably, on paper, it probably makes sense. You know, I'm trying not to yeah. do the whole kind of like hindsight is 2020 thing, you know, wiser after the event. Um, maybe it would have been nicer to basically just see a bit of, a bit of new blood kind of brought in with someone like maybe Alex Hunt, potentially. Yeah. Yeah, maybe De Cruz. I, I was actually maybe kind of surprised that Forestieri didn't start on the wing instead of De Cruz. Um, but again, also I want to try and be a bit sympathetic. I mean, we've also got rotation, and yeah, even though we are missing some people and some areas are quite thin, um, we've still got a fairly substantial kind of squad, and we still have the option to do rotation. I guess. Yeah, we've got the option. It's not um, necessarily something we have to do, though. You've got yeah. an weapon that's good and keeps playing. You don't want to be rotating all the time. I don't know. It's just, I know what you mean. There's a pressure, yeah. there's a pressure of a big squad. Um, but I, I would sort of say you don't need to cave to it all the time. Because generally, good the best teams don't tend to rotate that much. They kind of have a... You know, the teams that win the league normally in the Premier League have about sort of 15 to 18 players that play 20 games or more. And then the rest are broadly in the cold because you know what works and you know what, you know, who who makes a good change at a certain point in the match for a certain player. I just don't feel like Monk knows what to do with this squad. And it it was another team when I saw the lineup, I, I, I immediately said, it's very attacking again, and it, it's that's fine if we go and we play really well, but it's an absolute disaster if we don't. And yeah. unfortunately, I mean, within minutes, you could tell the sort of game it was going to be. Yeah, because the midfield is non-existent. I don't know what job Windass was asked to do. Um, I thought he again looked pretty bright in attacking. Some of our best attacking moments involved Windass in the first half. We didn't have that much to do attacking wise but when we when we were there it tended to be Windass ahead of Fletcher Fletcher seemed to be the one dropping deeper out of the two uh whether that's just that Windass is more mobile than Fletcher at this point I don't know but he, he just seemed to be there more more yeah often. um he didn't do particularly well with his chances when he got them I mean in particular he had a great chance um, we were very I think the word of the day is profligate you know yeah. we were particularly wasteful Mind you, I don't know, there wasn't like a huge, this is the problem, it's a smattering of half chances, but you know, still there was enough of those really that we need to have the quality in those areas to put one of those away. Well, by the nature of half chances, you're supposed to score half of them. Do you know what I mean? That's sort of, you know, <laughs> that's sort of what's implied by the name. But we seem to be, uh, you know, cut bedding it all on red, and it keeps coming up black every single time. Um, but so I don't join. I don't know how much we want to torture ourselves going through sort of how things worked out. But um, I think in this instance, I don't think we need to. I don't think there's any great. There's not any great fantastic rhythm to this game to kind of talk about other than, I mean, we can do, I mean, for the sake of that, that first goal was poor. That first goal was especially poor. 
De Silva's allowed to run absolutely miles with no challenge, feeds the ball off for a fairly rubbish cross, to be honest, which Dawson then palmed into the middle of his box, which I feel like I've said that sentence about 10 times this season. That is one thing, sorry, one thing I noticed with Wildsmith as well, which feels like a coaching thing. Both of them save the ball into their own box. Like yeah. they don't save it out of play or out or away. They sort of flick it up or flick it out again. And it nearly always means we get that, that a team gets a second or a third chance. It happened time and again with Wildsmith. Like he'd make the mm. save, but it saved within it, it saved and stayed within the six yard box. So they could recycle and have another go. Uh, that happened all the time. And and Dawson, it's the same exact thing that he did with that cross. Because he kind of got two hands to it, which is where he should be catching it and their goalkeeper caught everything in that regard there was no slipped balls there was no second chances there was no sniffs for us and we did as you say we did make chances we put good good crosses in at times Pelipati had a decent volley De Cruz had a decent shot in the first half but he held on to everything there was not just not even a hint of a of a, of a, a second you know, roll of the dice. Uh, but it feels like with both of our young goalkeepers, you're going to get another go. If you get it on target, they'll they'll keep it around for you rather than flicking it over or you're all out of the box. I don't know what. I don't know why you'd be trained to do that. <laughs> but it feels like something that it feels more than a, a coincidence that they both do it. Mm. Um, so. I mean that was that was frustrating. I mean the funny thing is I'm looking at I wanted to go and look at just while we're talking. Yeah. Uh look at who scored. It's not like we're sponsored by who scored. Though if you want to reach out to us, uh <laughs> maybe that would be good. I mean maybe for people like Rich and I who are kind of uh you know guys in the the mid 30s who are probably in kind of poor shape, maybe like Viagra Connect we should be sponsored by hims.com. You know, mm-hmm. maybe there should be stuff that kind of tries to uh kind of see if we can turn around my receding hairline, my thinning <laughs> hairline, my general lack of kind of libido uh, and kind of poor sexual performance in bed. But, <laughs> however, if we want to look at some kind of statistical kind of website that sponsors us, who scored would be a good one. So looking at their lineup, I mean, they've said that we're doing a 4-4-1-1 when effectively Pelopesi is going alongside Bannon in a 2 Windust is behind Fletcher. Yeah. I don't know. But then a lot of this just seems to be kind of, I think a lot of this is purely just, we're just guessing. We're just doing a series of guesswork. The interesting thing I want to kind of bring up about who scored is I kind of, I think every episode I think I bring up who scored, I do get irritated by some perception or some observation, the strengths and weaknesses. So weaknesses they actually said about is that we gave a lot of free kicks around the scent on around the the box. Mm. Um, But I actually felt that we didn't this game compared to Wednesday previously. But they uh, they're judging us against the the average for the league rather than the average or the average for the world of football rather than average rather the average of Sheffield Wednesday. (laughs) So it turns out that even. Not that many free kicks around our box for us. It's still quite a lot relatively. I think a weakness was that we didn't make enough fouls around the box. Because so many of the goals were basically these um, intensely young, pacey, you know, intelligent players from Brentford getting the ball at their feet and just running. And then, you know, Tom Lee's going, go fish. Yeah. Uh, The main feeling I came away... Well, so two main feelings... Uh, embarrassed uh, is, is is the first one. Uh, 
I want to talk about intelligent uh, readings of the game, not shame, Rich. <laughs> you know, you're my friend. I, I love you. I don't want you to feel any shame. That's nasty. Um, but please, let's let's talk about it offline, Rich. <laughs> but that, this was an embarrassing defeat. You know, this is a team that Brentford are in many ways very similar, to, you know, similar sort of recent history to us, similar size to us. But, you know, they're, 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 in other ways, they are a million miles away from us because, as you say, this is a young, fit, strong team. They made subs and the new people looked just as good as the people that came off. They sell players for lots of money every year. They're moving to a new stadium. They, they, have, they seem to genuinely have a plan. They know what they're doing, not just this year, not just this week, but they're doing... You know, they, they, they've got a plan that spans a number of years, uh, maybe even to decades. And Sheffield Wednesday at the moment feels like we are barely stumbling from one game to the next mm. in terms of the plan. Yeah, exactly. They're making bold stride forwards. We are making this kind of meek regression. Um, if we you know, were like, sound, if we were soundtracked by a disappointing indie pop song, it would be Driftwood by Travis. Yes. You know, we are Driftwood. We are just just and that's the thing we're just you know i've heard the comment today um you know the friend now is talking that someone commented i completely agree we are sleepwalking to relegation it's it's this very slow meandering quicksand you know the fact that before christmas we were third in this league and now we're we're almost batting our eyelashes at third from bottom and that's before we talk about any any potential points deduction that could still happen this year i mean i guess recently um i was sharing with you rich the article in the athletic about just what a car crash yeah birmingham city football club is and it's absolutely hilarious to read what's kind of going on there but i'm i'm trying to kind of stifle my laughs when i'm reading that because i feel that we're probably close to some kind of expose on sheffield wednesday yeah like it feels like that's kind of coming close. Um, so anyway, they've been recently, they were successful in their appeal against the EFL. Um, Aston Villa have also been successful, which I thought was strange, seeing that. Yes. But that was with the there. Premier League, wasn't it? So it's it's that with the Premier League. Standard. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah. I thought it was mainly, I thought it was a bit of a QPR situation. Um, kind of getting past the border, you know, but still being, yeah. uh, still being wanted for, you know, traffic yes. violations. Yes. and. Yeah. Uh, in New Mexico, even though you're in yeah. Mexico. Um, something like that. So, I don't know where I was going with that, Rich. I mean, just well, to talk about comparison plan, with us. Comparison with us in Brentford, yeah. Everything is very, you know, we look outside the window and we see what's happening with, you know, with the weather this day, and that dictates our plans. You know, it's very knee-jerk. It's very immediate. Yeah, in comparison with Brentford, it is it is chalk and cheese. Chalk and cheese in regarding the product that putting on the pitch um but regarding the the ethos and everything they're building off the pitch is very 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 different yeah it's it's massively different obviously today it was just sort of thuddingly made you know (laughs) it made so so clear the differences between the, the the two teams and squads i just we did make some chances i think you know football games are so strange in that little moments can make huge huge differences i mean we've we've all been at games where even like a big tackle kind of gets the crowd excited or a bad refereeing decision and it just sort of swings momentum the problem was none of them went our way today and we just looked 
so, so poor defensively. Every single time they came forward, it was like they seemed to get a shot away. You know, we just didn't have any answer for them at all. Um, we, I think very much we didn't really stand up to them, though, you know? But we didn't have the... I think this is, again, is it's a personnel thing. Who's going to do the standing up? Because if a defend... So Monk is defensively a complete one-trick pony, and it's been figured out by everybody. So defensively, his clever trick that seemed to work at the start of the season is, we'll just man... You like, you've got three men across the, the, the front here, and they like to move around and swap around. And what we'll do is just have one man follow them. And if you add a fourth man, I'll play Pelupesi, and he'll he'll follow him and you know good luck getting around us well what's what teams now do is they put two of those players that are getting man marked together and then they split off in their run and we are not good enough to follow both of them so then you get loads of space it's really easy to play against us now um but because the defense is doing that that's their job there's no kind of free man to go out and and tackle and if you do you're leaving a man behind you so the defense can't do anything in terms of pressuring really because they're breaking the the shape that they've been told to hold then we're asking the midfield to do the job but the midfield is made up of Bannon who can't do that and Pelupesi who I don't really know today was weird because you're right he sort of weirdly had one of his best games but he also had one of his worst I thought midweek people really slagged him off but we didn't hear a peep out of David Silva who is you know comfortably one of the best players to have played in English football for the last 10 years he did his job Interesting. on on Wednesday which was to stop David Silva getting the ball and David Silva barely had any of the ball barely had any influence on the game um today Pelopesi was kind of everywhere and kind of did a lot and he uh, he made a great you know made two sort of goal saving potentially goal saving tackles uh around the 36 37 minute mark but, but he also but, had a hand in two of their goals as exactly, well exactly exactly really. exactly I know I know I know well, but I just don't know what... You're right, we needed to press them. It's the same as Derby, but we don't have the players on the pitch to do it because Windass is not a, a, but, a sort of charge them down, chase them kind of player. Murphy but I don't, defending. But again, I don't feel like... I don't expect... Maybe I do expect. I expect... You know, I think everybody kind of wants. I don't know. Maybe I. I think the 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 sometimes the difficulties we have with sometimes looking at football is sometimes we can compare it to um, compare it to real life kind of world of work. Mm. And you think about kind of the characters you have on board. You know, in a team in an office perhaps yeah. and kind of big teams and big cultures and i but i still feel like not that i expect someone's going to come in and be a complete alchemist like gonna take these you know these poor balsa wood figurines and make them into kind of marble statue of david's you know statues but the thing i want to say is that like i still feel like we're not I still don't feel like we're that far off in terms of defensive personnel. Maybe if I, I think this is the problem I think I'm looking at is in terms of defenders, I think I don't think we're that far off, but I think there does need to be something done about the mentality and the way they're trying to play. Because it's funny when you say we don't have these players, I want to ask you, Rich, I personally don't think that these players are far off in terms of skill set. But I think approach, I think, is huge. I think approach is off. Yeah. And I think what they're being told, I think I can agree with you on that. Like, basically, it's not working. 
Um, there are people, there are disciplines and coaches with much, much better ideas. I was thinking today about this game and thinking, how would we do, how would this team do if we basically brought back Stuart Gray? Because basically we would then be asking everybody to just defend from the front. But in these situations, maybe we could have turned something like a game like this into a 1-0 victory. Yeah, I mean... But I also agree with you. I do want to agree with you quickly and say that midfield-wise, we don't have the players to... You know, again, it's that chain reaction. Like, the midfielders aren't doing a job defensively. It then all goes on to defenders, which then all, you know, in a turn goes on to, you know, mouth safe Cammy in the net. But I would say probably all of our best performances since the falling out with Hodge have been Pelupesi, Bannon and another. Yes, we don't and learn that I lesson. Think... We keep going back to this. Well, so arguably maybe there is another and today it was Windass. I don't mean Windass. I mean, that player needs to be um, a box-to-box active yes. midfielder. Yes. It who... needs to be, I, I would say it needs to be, it needs to be a fit currently. Yes, or... Uh, this young chap called Alex Hunt. Well, Alex Hunt, yeah, exactly. I know. It needs to be someone else, or it needs to be a fit Massimo Luongo. But, you know, we don't seemingly have a fit Kieran Lee. We've got a Kieran Lee who is, um, you know, still, I think, a good footballer. But realistically, let's just say, I'm, gonna try and, I'm trying not to be too damning, but he's a bit of a shadow as former self. Yes. Really. You know, we have this lesser Kieran Lee. Um, it's kind of a bit like, um, you know, the end of um, Guardians of the Galaxy. I'm just going to spoil a film because that's always fun. <laughs> you know, when uh, Groot, Groot kind of comes back as baby Groot. Yes. Kieran Lee is baby Kieran Lee, really. <laughs> Only, you know, less adorable or more kind of... He's more kind of making a. He's quite a adorable. He's making a puddle on your piddle and piddle puddle on your carpet. You know, <laughs> you've got to you've got to kind of rub his face in it most weeks. But yeah. he's he's still being okay. But again, there's a distinct lack of legs and energy and youth and drive in the middle of the. But park. I think Lee can do, and, Lee can be those legs for an hour. Yeah, once but a then week. Again, it's just you need someone else to take off that mantle. Yeah. And then you need someone to take off that mantle when he gets injured because it happens. Yeah. Again, I don't know. Hilariously, I think previously, we've kind of looked at this team and we've looked at transfer windows and we've looked at what we're going to do in transfer windows. And what we've done in transfer windows has been pretty good. But I think ultimately we just need to improve every area of the park. <laughs> we need to improve every... So, And then the question kind of comes and I, I don't know, we can keep talking about the game or I think maybe now is the time that me and you, Rich, talk, sit down at the table <laughs> and talk about the future of this football club as what we see as fans because yeah. I felt like I'd seen a lot of comments from Wednesdayites about just gutting the entire house um maybe just bulldozing maybe you don't you, you know you don't keep the spine or the you know the keystones of the formations maybe you don't do in a complete internal renovation maybe you just knock down the house and just rebuild again because the spine is crap the spine of this team is terrible yeah. i thought there was a good spine of this team at some point this season there isn't and it seemed like the players we need to add would be players to add that attacking now we've now added them and it's just it's not good so again i'm wondering about the question of some people being like who would you keep within you know within this team you know i frankly i'm beginning to think basically we should just get rid of as many players as we can well yeah i i I think broadly I do agree with that. I think I think just in terms of 
sorry, I'm just trying to put put the, put it in the right the right words. Um, I think we do have lots of good players, and I don't think what happened before Christmas was false. I think we 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 never solved what to do without Fletcher, and now that Fletcher's back, we keep putting him back in there, despite the fact he's clearly a long long way from fit and. It's still not working because he's not the Fletcher that he was before Christmas. There's little glimpses. He, I do feel like he's getting closer. Uh, but that's that is that's a big part of it. You know, the whole kind of system was built around the the very particular. You know, we did our um our taken thing. The the particular set of skills that's that Stephen Fletcher brings to the party. Um, losing them has been a huge huge thing uh, what makes me worry about monk is he's not he never figured out in the interim what what was a good alternative and we still could do with an alternative and uh, i th- i do think but I, there's a i think in terms of players you'd want to keep around i think palmer's still got a good future I, um i think he's he's a very solid right back left back and weirdly now seems to be quite good as a kind of third center back in a three i think dominic iolf has got a huge amount of promise um i do think tom lees is done i don't know what's wrong with tom lees whether it's a mental thing or a physical thing he seems too young for it to be a physical thing but he is nervous and he makes the team nervous uh his influence on the defense is 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 a bad one uh so if he doesn't have a leader alongside him, I don't see the point in playing Tom Lee's and keeping him unless he's a backup when I offer gets injured. I well, here's here's the question that I kind of want to go into. So it, it's kind of a little bit similar. So after this, we have another year of Tom Lee's. We've got another year of Barry Bannon. Yeah. So the question always has been, I think, you know, do we? When do we? You know, as a love overarching mentality, when do we press the reset button? When do we press the nuke button on the Chancery days, on the the Carvajal experiment? Um, all of these players and all these players come in with that identity. And I kind of want to say, Lee's is someone I think I want to say, I almost would think you could keep him on as fourth choice center back yeah that's what i mean really we could do that for a year if we can't get rid of him bannon i'm almost wondering the question do we look to just sell bannon and move him on because he's a high earner and may get us a little bit of money in that aspect um just frees up a bit of thing to play or for another year do you think because i mean this is our question right now is with this team and because we have no maneuverability because we're outside of transfer windows and unfortunately we're just kind of treading water before the season ends but do we bring in the players to kind of help bannon do what he does best that's i mean right now right now we don't have you're right we don't have the personnel in center midfield i'd yeah see i'd be really loath to get rid of bannon while he is I mean, he's played pretty much every game this season. He's barely been injured. He's he had a a, a brief period of injury last season, but by and large, he's a fit guy. He he's our only creative spark, really. I know. Um, I know. I'd be very very worried if you took Bannon out of our team, we'd be nothing at this point. And he he leaves a huge gap whenever he's you know if if we lose Bannon, we we you know we'd have to really go some to replace all that he does. But he is dependent on. On one a good partner in de- in midfield because defensively he's not the best and I'm, I'm sure he would admit that and also he's dependent on having people to play the ball to so people do moan about banning giving the ball away but that is because he's looking up and looking up and there's nothing there's no movement 
generally, if there's somebody making a good run, Bannon will do a, bro- a blooming good job of getting the ball to them. I mean, there was one pass today he picked out incredibly well to uh, to set um, Harris on, on his way. And you sort of think, like, he shouldn't have played that ball because it was so difficult. But he lopped it, you know, lobbed it into him. Good pace, good turn. And it's like... He needs the options to play to. All too often, we look up and this team doesn't have it. There's nobody. Um, I mean, it was it was mark, marked in the, uh, the the city game because we were sat so deep. But no, there's no breaking their neck and breaking their back to get forward and support within this team. Really, only Murphy sort of has that inclination and ability. <laughs> but they're generally just so slow and ponderous that we don't get the opportunity to make breaks because. There's nobody able to. It's uh, it's really difficult. I I don't think Bannon's above criticism, but I, I do think we're spoiled a little bit by how good he is because any time the TV cameras are on him, he comes away with shed loads of praise. And I don't think he plays better when the TV cameras are there. I think we get a pretty consistent product from, from Barry Bannon. Um, and I think we've, we've got used to just his level of fantastic play. You and I <laughs> do hark back to, I mean, watching people like Giles Coke hide behind their man because they didn't want the ball. Um, you know, everyone's favourite pundit, Prutton, is another one of those that I watched him. His teammate got one possession and he disappeared behind a man, didn't show any, you know, didn't want the ball, didn't show for it. I've never seen Bannon hide. I've never seen Bannon not want possession. Mm. Sometimes he wants it in bad areas, but it's because he believes in himself and he believes he can make an impact on the game. He can make things better for us. And that's a tremendous spirit to have in that midfield. Um, But he's too old to build the next five years around. So, you know, we do have to think about what life after Bannon looks like. We've got the big, there's a big change coming this summer. We've got 12 players, is it, out of contract or, or leaving because they're, their loans are up um that's a big opportunity to turn things around and some of those are big earners my worry is i at the moment i don't i can't justify gary monk being the man that's in charge of that transition because i've not seen anything that tells me he's worthy of that opportunity sure Um, I think Reach is another one that's got an extra year, isn't he? There's not many players that that survive beyond this year. No. Westwood? No. Thank goodness we gave him an extra year. Oh, I know, I know. But even, I don't know. I mean, hindsight's twenty twenty. but we were there. You know, I previously said, you know, I didn't expect for the performances that we got from Westwood at the beginning of this year to happen. No. No, you're you're absolutely right. But I just I, that was another bit I was jealous of because I thought their goalkeeper was really good. His kicking was really good. He was pretty comfortable taking possession from his defence. Um, but also, I mean, in with kind of like a mentality of that. Um, I mean, we also just gave a, a four year contract to Cameron Dawson, yeah. who I don't see. He, Monk, he might be Monk on talks top. a lot about how this guy the history of the, uh, the the future is the future and i don't i don't get it um part of that is he's got to say that he's got no other choices but Cam- again we've just we've hung strung we've hamstrung ourselves for another year another i don't know i can't imagine he's on like a massive contract i think he's probably on four peanuts and a bag of crisps a week comparative to most of his teammates so, so I don't, yeah. in regards to that, we've basically just kind of given him um, maybe just a bit more kind of comfort to be, you know, a player who we think Cameron Dawson should be, which is probably someone who uh, I don't know. I don't think he's good enough to to be a starting goalkeeper in this league. Um, no, no way. No, no, miles off. Maybe for a team whose hopes are to try and stay up in the league, which 
hilariously, maybe that's us now. Yeah. But I still don't want him right now. You know, I think he needs, I don't know, is it an expectation thing? I think he maybe needs less expectation on his shoulders. He's just never, I, I'm, people, I know 24 is relatively young for a goalkeeper, but if you look across the whole of football, that's kind of not true anymore. Goalkeepers don't get that, you know, play their best football when they're 28 and 30. Goalkeepers who are good are playing for their national team when they're 21, 22 years old. It's a it's a kind of old fashioned fallacy that goalkeepers don't get good till later because good goalkeepers are good. Full stop. Cameron Dawson is 24 years old, so in the next 12 months he will at some point. I don't know when his birthday is, but somebody will turn 25. That's a guy that you should. You know, goalkeepers aren't physiologically different to every other human being on the planet. So that is a man who is at his physical prime. His peak years are basically. 25 to 30 he's not going to get that much better in this next year he's not he's never going to be good enough to be the goalkeeper who should be a first choice for a championship team it's never ever going to happen um people might get annoyed at that and get you know kind of question it but what have we seen that tells us it's good i mean people say oh he's a good shot stopper i've never seen him pull out out like a i, I very rarely see him pull out a very impressive save what he does is save the ball when it comes within kind of the reach of his arms where he is stood every goalkeeper should save those shots yeah yeah, yeah. That is not shot stopping. It's not being a good shot stopper. That is literally just being a person that doesn't want to get hit with a football. Your natural instinct is to block that area around you. I do think Dawson, what what puts Dawson ahead of Wildsmith and Westwood for me is he's got a bit more confidence coming off his line and taking the ball. So I think he's got traits that set him ahead of Wildsmith by and large because Wildsmith I do remember when he was first choice for, for spells, petrified to come off his line, really, really frightened to come off his line. And it caused headaches for his team time and time again. He's smaller than Dawson, so that might be part of it. But I, neither of the they're both League One, League Two goalkeepers. They're neither of them championship goalkeepers. And I don't think Westwood's a championship goalkeeper anymore. And <laughs> the modern goalkeeper, all three of them are miles off because championship football more and more requires a team where everybody is comfortable on the ball. I think it's why Tom Lees has looked like he's fallen off so badly, is the new type of defender you have to be in the top two leagues. He is not. He's a, I've got the ball, I'll get rid of it guy. <laughs> and increasingly, football is asking for players who are comfortable on in possession at the back, including the goalkeeper. And none of the three of them are any good in possession. Because <laughs> mm. that's, you God, saw today a goalkeeper in Brentford who's picking passes. He's playing flat balls out from his from the back. It, it wasn't perfect always, but he was pretty consistent with it. He's picking out a man and hitting it to him. That means you can have a front man the size of Ollie Watkins because he's gonna. He, the, the goalkeeper is putting him in positions where he can win possession. What happens with us is we put somebody like Forestieri up front on his own and then just play the same aimless lumps forward that require somebody like Atinui or, or or Fletcher who can basically have a wrestling match with their get to where the ball is going to land because who knows where it is. It's not going to be by where they're stood. Fight with their man, win that fight and also win a header. That doesn't need to happen all the time if you can pass a ball from the back and if everybody can pass a ball from the back. And that's what it looked like today. We played a modern football team and we feel 
old fashioned in comparison to that. Hmm. But I don't think Gary Monk is the guy to fix <clears throat> fix these things. Although well, I don't think he knows how to. No. Although he came up with that, you know, he came up through that Swansea team, and his real success was finishing fifth or whatever it was in the in the Premier League with Swansea, and they played lovely football. So who knows? But I, I'm still thinking back to your comment about Stuart Gray. I'd love to have Stuart Gray as the manager right now. Yeah. We, We've got none of that nous and organization. Well, the funny thing was, I thought this was—I thought this was—I um, thought this was Gary Monk's calling card: is that his teams are well organized and well drilled. And I don't know where that's gone. I—I I wonder whether this is real, you know, tinfoil hat time. <laughs> but I do wonder whether he's left himself in a position where, because he's created an us and them, with we know at least three players that are are in the the them camp. Mm. Does he have to sort of stick with his loyalties within the squad of players that he has? So is like, was Tom Lee's his guy in the arguments that led up to those three people being banished and therefore Tom Lee's gets first <sighs> nod? I don't know. I don't know. But it's like, there's certainly, people have talked about cliques and things like that for years. And I mean, I did notice one of the things, one of the disappointing bits in the City, <clears throat> Man City game was Bannon. He loves shouting at Liam Palmer. He barely shouts at anybody else, but he loves loves giving Palmer a rocket. And you're like, why is that? It's, he barely has any interaction with him, but he loves getting bent double shouting at, at, at Liam Palmer. Is that like, is, is Bannon put upon and then Liam's the only guy that's lower than him in the pecking order? What I don't know what the situations are. We'll never find out, but it just feels like there's a lot of nonsense going on. And the teams we keep picking are, are just never, it's a hiding to nothing again. This was Birmingham again. And what, what saved us in Birmingham, uh, uh, sorry, um, yeah, the Birmingham game, the Derby game. Birmingham game, we we showed enough quality to to make a game of it. The Derby game, they gave up second half, so we had a half of it. Today, Brentford kept nibbling away at us, and we ended up with a 5-0 scoreline. But all three of those games, we could have lost 5 or 6-0 because the team that we put out was rubbish. It's never going to win a football match at this level. We're not learning anything week to week. It's so frustrating. I feel like I've talked you into a hole here, Luke. I'm so sorry. I don't know. I just, I, the, I find it miraculous that largely we found a lot to talk about today. Like I'm, I'm actually thinking that's something miraculous because I mean, we could just be purely speechless about what's going on. You know, I was thinking about prior to this. I'm like, what can I say? This was the, the problem that like I'm annoyed and frustrated and disappointed like all Wednesday nights because you think that you're hoping that it's not going to be a formality, but you know deep down in your heart that it is going to be a formality that we're going to turn up and lose today. Um, we've got this game. We've, the next three games are incredibly difficult. I don't see... I'd be staggered if... How many games have we got left now? Nine games or something yeah, like that? Nine. nine games. I'd be staggered if we get 10 points. Yeah. It's so, so bad. And then what we're on 48... And it's tough. I mean, we're mostly playing teams above us in the table between now and the end of the season. Completely. Because we've completely, absolutely shit the bed with any opportunities against teams who should be lesser or should be lower in the table. Or technically should be... Technically should be easier games. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that this was this was where we were, you know, supposed to be able to kind of build up a buffer for the uh, the much tougher games to come, and we're going to have to pull rabbits out of hats to get anything to 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 happen for us, really. And again, we're just I I don't know I I um, I'm wondering for the sake of a rebuild. I don't know. Some people say it's easy to rebuild in League One, but I I don't. That's going to hurt us so badly. 
just going down to League One. Like it's looking like a formality at this point. Forget. I mean, forgive me because I don't know the, this, but do, do you know? So there's obviously so the the whole thing with sustainability, profit and sustainability, financial fair play, you know, whatever you want to call it. Um, the whole thing with that is it's supposed to, you know, it's a punishment for for breaking the rules. It's a set of rules, punishment for breaking the rules. So, but the punishment for breaking the rules is, well, one, it's points, but then also it's financial. And I just don't know. So it feels almost like a loan shark sort of situation. So, so you, Luke, are coming to me as a, a loan shark. Yeah, you're desperate. You're, you know, you're a hundred thousand down because of you know gambling debts or whatever you know what you're like um <laughs> you, you come to me and i say oh yeah so i'll i will loan you another 50k um but i'm going to charge interest on top of it and then but i know you're 100 grand in the hole so you come back and you can't pay me back the 50k so i go well as a penalty for that i'm going to add another 50k onto your debt so now you owe two hundred thousand. I just don't know how. How is it supposed to help when you've when you're in the hole? Like how? So getting charged a couple of million pounds or, or ten million pounds or whatever it is. How does that help the fact that we don't have more money? You know, we are, we are paying out every year more money than we bring in. And then if we get relegated, how does that help the fact that we're paying out more money than we bring in? It makes everything worse. It almost feels like a situation where you're guaranteed to have berries teams that go bust because. I don't know how you're supposed to fix it. It costs money. You can't just get rid of players. So if we decided we wanted to get rid of Westwood this summer, it will cost us money because he's got a contract that says he's paid X amount for another year. Now, if he's nice to us, he might say, well, actually, I want to go play football somewhere. So I'll take half my contract. But he's still costing us half of what we would have been paying anyway. It's not that we saved I mean, we we saved, theoretically saved half of what he would have been on. But I just don't know. Like the road situation, you know, like we seem to be in a situation where even selling him doesn't help. It feels like one of those Escher paintings with the stairs. You know, you yes. feel like you're going up the stairs. You might be going actually downwards. I don't know. I, once you're in the mire, I don't know how it helps. I don't know how you get out. And I, 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 I hope the folks at Wednesday have a plan, but we've not seen any inkling of it, have we? No, but we need to... I don't understand why... I don't know. If I owned Wednesday, if I ruled the world, yeah. um, I don't know. I'd just... I'd, I'd want to... I don't know, as a fan, I'm looking at teams like Brentford and looking like, what are they doing? You know, and I know I understand the loose. Sorry, I'm not saying that like I have no idea what Brentford are doing. You know, I have a rough idea of what Brentford are doing, the model they're using. But I'd want to install the people to have that long-term vision. You know, we just, we need to have a long-term vision. The, The point is, basically, we need to bring someone in who has a mentality of looking at young players and looking at young hungry players and looking at building this mentality and looking at... We need to just get over ourselves. Basically, we're not. I don't. I. I'm. I'm irritated constantly with. Well, I'm irritated. Basically, first of all, we don't try. The second thing is I'm fearful of is basically that the fans won't support what's kind of going on. I think that's undoubtedly going to happen. <coughs> Sorry. Um, because what what we seem to gain in the Carlos first season is a another little section of fans that came in expecting success. Uh, you know, kind of that. Those were the sort of fans that you'd walk away from a one or a two nil win, and they're saying, "Oh, we should be beating these five nil." We'll we'll have to lose them to have any kind of long term thinking because they'll, you know, essentially, Yost was long term thinking. That's what he was trying to do. He said, "You know, these guys 
their contracts are up. I'm gonna they're gonna be let go. So what's the point in playing them? Um, let's play young players instead. And then in six months' time, we've got players who've been playing for six months rather than starting completely afresh. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you noticed that uh, Yosel Hukai is not the manager of Sheffield Wednesday anymore. I it's something I did. Uh, you know, it's something I did notice when I was watching the game, and it <laughs> cut to this gentleman named Gary Monk. Yeah. I was like, He's not uh, he's not that mustachio uh, German buffoon whom I love, <laughs> or Dutch buffoon I think he was. He's Dutch, isn't he? Um, yeah, no, I I know, I know. But again, we've had a difficult situation. We've had the same situation happens with Yoss that's happened with um, you know with Monk is that he's he's kicked uh, since division in the changing room and he's kicked Westwood and Hutchinson aside. Yeah, and they won out, and then they may they may still win out again. You know. It's it's so hard to kind of do the balancing act of getting results at the same time as planning a big change. Sure. Uh, but I think that's why the manager, that's why when it works, I think the manager has to be, I think the manager has to be in charge of what happens day to day, but they have to kind of be removed from the bigger picture. Because I think that's why Warburton actually left Brentford, because he wasn't going to be in charge of, so they moved to this money ball system. Warburton didn't like the fact, despite the fact he'd been very successful there, really, relatively. I think they got to the playoffs over two out of three years or something like that. Um, but he didn't like the fact he was no longer going to be part of the, deci- the decision-making process when it came to bringing in and getting rid of players. But what a long-term plan that you actually follow requires is is the head coach to be a pretty sort of dispensable cog in the wheel and then more permanent people in in wider charge because you need to trust that there's somebody with a vision of where you're going to and they're putting the building blocks in in place and the manager's job then is really just to get the best out of the players he has at that moment in time which i think is where yos and gary monk at this point are failing because they are they're underperforming the squad that they have available to them but they you can't rely on a a manager, I don't think, in this day and age, to be the the person that that, that brings that change themselves, because they're they're essentially kind of working against themselves in the short term for a long term gain that they may never see. It's it's very tricky. Um, it's it is going to be a fascinating summer because what how many of those players go? What we do with the new resources that are available? Um, those are going to be big big questions. Yeah, we, people don't, aren't sure about Rhodes, are they? Whether he's got another year or not, it's Rhodes does have goal. another year. Yeah, and I'm sure with Rhodes having another year, I'm imagining if I'm, I mean, I am probably putting two and two together. But I think basically what we've kind of the way we structured the Rhodes deal is it's two million a year. So of which also we also gave them a loan fee as well. So basically for a four year contract, there'll be another two million going to Millsborough, and then uh, you know the final year of John Rose's contract. Um, but I mean, essentially looking at the contracts right now, looking over the players we have, how many players do we have now? Kind of out of contracts and leaving the club, we have about 13 players, I think it is. Yeah. So it's, this is the opportunity. It's as big of an opportunity. It's a kind of once in a blue moon opportunity to kind of really put a stamp on things. It's just, yeah, who we have in charge of putting that stamp on things. The worst case well, this is why is let... this is why we need a long-term plan. This is probably why we need personnel behind the the, the club. And I mean, there have been questions yeah. asked recently about the fact that after after the uh, lovely Belgian Katie Katie Mier, Catherine Mier, yes. yeah, after she has left, then there's nobody there's nobody on a CEO basis. Uh, who knows if um, 
Dejfan is around. Who knows what's going on? Yeah. It's seemingly a ship without a rudder, to uh, to quote the Lemonheads. Ship without a rudder. It's a ship. I, I immediately thought of the Lemonheads as well. Mm-hmm. Oh. Do we want to torture ourselves with uh, player ratings from the match? Um, I have. You have. So <laughs> I can kind of brought through that. I actually thought, like, as previous, I thought I should. I guess because I talk about Sheffield Wednesday, I guess I should have an opinion on what happens. Even though recently, I'll be honest, I just want to kind of shrug my shoulders and be like, I don't care. It's terrible. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But again, we do this podcast, Rich, that we have to talk about it. <laughs> oh, my God. No. What did we sign up for, folks? What did we sign up for? Ah, remember, like, it was sort of a semi-hopeful start to the season. Ah. It was. It was. And, um, you know, yeah, it was. We were hopeful. We were optimistic. Even though we predicted a mediocre kind of ending, it, we didn't think it'd be this bad. Um, I, could, I could still see my feet when I looked down. You had a full head of hair. It was... These were times that, we, you know, we look back on so fondly now. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. Um, okay, well, let's let's whip through the 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 uh, the, the player ratings then. Let's, seeing as you know, you've you've made some effort, <sighs> it shouldn't go to waste. Yeah, Luke's felt exasperated, and he wants to share it with the world. Let's do this. <laughs> so. Cameron Dawson. He gets a... I've uh, given him a whopping 4.5. I would prefer if he wouldn't parry it like he was on a volleyball team. Uh, Someone should tell him this isn't Fantasy League and is the Reality League where he doesn't get points for an assist. (laughs) So I said nothing he could do for the second goal. He isn't good enough to keep out the third, but the fourth and fifth were pretty poor showings from him. And my overall question is a uh, free-worded question. Where is Wildsmith? He doesn't get down particularly well, does he? No. Uh, oh, Cam. He, that, you know, talking about people being old-fashioned, goalkeepers, the fashion for so long was to be like Schmeichel. You wanted an absolute monster that terrified anybody that had the audacity to go one-on-one with him. And then the world of football's kind of moved away from that. It's more We want more like slight athletic people that, you know, generally wear like short sleeve shirts. Um, and can play some football. But Cameron Dawson is very much of that Schmeichel mould where he's a big whopper, but um, struggles, <laughs> struggles to get down to those uh, those low, those quick low shots. Oh, I love it when you call him big whopper. To That's paraphrase what I call notorious him. Call him big yeah. Uh, <laughs> oh, notorious Cammy D. <laughs> there we go, folks. That's what I'm calling him from here to the rest of the season. Notorious. But I think fair enough on on the on the score. So let's move along to Liam Palmer. I went for a five point five for Liam Palmer. Um, he had a rough time today up against um, was it Ben Ben Rama Ben Yama? Yeah, he his... absolutely had him for breakfast today. He really <laughs> did. Um, I said he shows his limitations as a right back, but there you go. I thought he was better going forward in this game. Yeah, probably. Yeah, probably Ben Rama not quite as hardworking going backwards as uh, as some other wingers, but uh, I think he sort of earned his right to slack off slightly in that regard. It did make me mm. laugh in the uh, second half. They just they said Forest Dieri very much Sheffield Wednesday's Ben Rama, and I was like, ha, 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 we wish, we wish, uh, because he had a fine, fine game. Did Ben Rama? Um, yeah, he, you know, he puts a shift in, doesn't he? He's, he's a good, honest pro, is our Liam. <laughs> Dominic Iorfa. Better than Lee's, but still bad. You know, didn't like how he got nutmegged for the fifth goal. 
That was pretty no, poor. No. Yeah, that was pretty bad. Score-wise, five. 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 <laughs> okay, yeah, five's fair enough. Uh, Tom Lee's captain. Four point five. Probably the worst of the defenders. Uh, I'm not going to share what else I said because I've kind of covered it. Basically, the question about, you know, we need some new centre-backs. I'm unsure if we should try and move him on the summer or just see our next year with him as backup. We need better. We need better. We need better either from him or from someone else. And the problem is right now, it's I think this is the problem is like Berner was injured. You know, Bates is frozen out. David Bates is completely frozen out. He's been told remember to play the under 23s. Remember, we had a perfectly competent left sided centre back. Young guy. You remember him? I, I don't. I'm sorry. I'm really fortunate. I know. Covered. He played know. loads of games last year and really never let the side down. Um, it would have been nice to have another left-sided centre-back around, wouldn't it? Oh, I well. know. And we gave him to Blackpool for a few biscuits, basically. Dick. For a few hobnobs. I know. Um, the thing I want to say about Lees is he always looks shocked. He's always clutching his pearls at every attack from the opposition. Like, how dare they come forward? I just got a vision of... Um... I've, I've forgotten the name of the uh, it's Alex somebody um, but Alex somebody and Les Dawson as women I've just imagined Tom Lee's in that sort of setting clutching his yeah clutching his handbag and looking shocked and, and bemused uh, yeah, they, yeah. I, I mean we don't want to get into all the ins and outs of it but for the third goal I don't know whether it was his fault or Fox's fault but it was just awful and the one where actually one of Dawson's very few good saves that was one of the worst bits of defending from Tom Lees because it was like the player, he just, oh, I don't know, he was just like falling over himself as the player walked around him and took a shot one on one with the goalkeeper. Oh, I'm just done with the with Tom Lees for now. Uh, you know, I, it's a bit like, um, you know, I don't know if you ever had this, but we had sort of cousins that would come and stay at Christmas. Uh, and it was always hugely exciting for the first few days. And then you really just needed that break. And for us, that break was a year. And it was then that you could build up the excitement again to see them. And with Tom Lees, I just need him to go away somewhere for a little while so that I can be less angry at him. I- I'm fed up. He's broken some of my toys. Uh, <laughs> he's been sick on my Mega Drive. I just... Uh, <laughs> I'm raking up some childhood trauma here. I just want to not see him for a while. Uh, you know, go away. Please go away. Um, <laughs> I think Lee's was sick on our Mega Drivers uh, episode title. <laughs> oh, dear. Um, so then we come to the other flank. Uh, I also want to, after saying sorry. that Lee's clutches his pearls, I want to call him the wealthy dowager of uh, Sheffield Wednesday's uh, defence. <laughs> Uh, yeah, the, so the the, the other uh, fullback slot was filled by Captain Fox Morgan. Uh, I gave him a five. I just the, the comment I just said was yeah. uh, poor show, poor showing from him today. Yeah, <laughs> oh. he was very so-so. It's nice to have him back. He's definitely ga- the best. What left games back. is uh, Tom Lee's ruined for you, Rich? When you're sick <laughs> on your mega <laughs> I think probably definitely like Italia 90, he will have ruined mm-hmm. some of Street, these. Streets of Rage 2, perhaps. Streets of Rage 2, definitely. Golden Axe. <laughs> <laughs> Altered Beast. Uh, Altered Beast, yes. Yeah. Altered Beast. And like Alter, Altered Beast, I would hope he would rise from his grave. <laughs> um, I'm going to keep thinking of... Uh, of of Mega Drive games while we move along to Jakob Murphy, the Russian winger. Russian winger, often confused for Josh Murphy by Luke Gledall. Um, <laughs> I gave him a six. 
I thought he's one of the brighter players in the midfield. You know, yeah. definitely the best winger on the who started, I should say. During the dark, dark days of 2020, uh, Murphy is is the one of very few glimmers of light, isn't he? At the moment, uh, he seems he's to have a flickering, his... flickering LED diode on this <laughs> uh, this Wednesday season. Exactly. Is he uh, the thing that's keeping us awake during these dark times? You know, when you're you know when yeah. you're in bed and there's like a little bit of light just coming from like you know a laptop that's been plugged in, yes. and it's kind of flashing because you haven't shot to shut it off properly on the power. That's uh, that's Jacob Murphy right there. That's Jacob Murphy keeping folks awake since January. Um, Joey Pelopesi. I went for a six for Joey Pelopesi. Is Joey Pelopesi man of the match, Luke? No. Sorry, don't spoil it. I'm um, spoil it. Um, I thought it was um, I, the same comment I've made before in the podcast. I'll just say again: Is it me that thinks this one of his best games at Wednesday, and still he had a hand at least two of the Brentford goals? Exactly. He, yeah, I mean, he did. He did make a couple of good tackles. He had a shot, which was fairly decent. Um, he was. He was. He was. He was much more involved than he normally is. But still, as you say, actively uh, involved in some some of his old, good old fashioned negative playmaking. It's the Pelopesi brand, and that's what he lives by. Mister mm-hmm. <laughs> Barry Bannon. Game of 5.5. I don't know. I think he needs to be better defensively or figure out not to put Wednesday in that situation with his talents. I mean, the rest of it was actually quite good. I mean, this is such a bizarre game because I felt that going forward, we were quite good. It's just, you know, you can't, if you don't eat your meat, you can't eat your pudding. Exactly. If we don't defend, then we can't do anything going forward. Well, yeah, that is the the story of the the Gary Monk saga, at least this episode of uh, the Gary Monk saga is just, you can't just jump straight to pudding. It's not on. Mm. Uh, yeah, I I tend to agree. I think on another day he played some really good passes, and and I think people could have done better with them. He played his classic ball into Fletcher um, at one point during the first half, and I think that would have made it one one or two one if Fletcher had done better with it. But he hit the roof of the net, so it just you got to judge him by his output because he doesn't do the defending side of things, and we didn't get anything out of his output today. So I think five and a half is fair enough. Um, so left wing, we started with Dagrush. Gave a five. Poor, poor, poor. And lightweight. So poor, lightweight, poor. PLP. I don't know what he is. I don't know what he's about. I... He's a footballer, Rich. Mm, you say he's that. Paid, he's paid handsome fees to uh, to do that on a weekly basis. I know that's technically his profession. You're right. But I, he just looks so kind of... I like how quick he is. And he obviously has a good engine because he absolutely, on Wednesday night, he must have run his blood to water. He really, you know, really put a shift in. But then, I just, is he, is he, is he really bad? Is he any good at all? I don't know. He did put in a good cross at one point today and he did have a shot today, which I think may be his first shot in a Wednesday shirt. But uh, it all looks kind of like he's a bit robotic and, and kind of functional rather than, I don't know. It's hard to describe. Sort of reminds me of if you remember, if you can cast your mind back to the the old days of occasionally seeing Palmer in midfield, where it's like sort of mechanically, it's all fine. Like he's quite quick. He's a reasonable kind of like he's an okay runner, and sometimes he can do that running with a football near him. But whether he's really a footballer is really hard to know. Anyway, we'll not get into the uh, philosophical side of things. 
there. Uh, do we want to do one of the... Because he obviously swapped at, at half-time for uh, Forestieri. Do we want to sort of talk about him then? It, it's up to you, Rich. I don't care. Oh. <laughs> Sorry. It's all right. Let's just get a little through bit, the first Just a little bit, of, little bit of salt just for the end of the podcast as well. Salt. Just drifting drifting into oblivion, much like Wednesday. Luke, much like Salt Bay, drizzling <laughs> it on from uh, from chin height. Uh, <laughs> let's get through the first team and then do the subs okay. all together. Let's sure. That's how team. I kind of mentally did it, so thank you. So there's, there's old Joshua, flatulent Joshua, windy ass. What did you make of him? I thought he was all right. Yeah. Uh, like kind of attacking in that role. You know, he's bright. You know, he looks good with the ball at his feet. I mean, this is a funny thing. We said from the last one, oh, we should give him a start. And we did. And maybe we... Maybe maybe we're all as wrong as Gary Monk. Maybe. Maybe. Maybe that's the thing, to just uh, to just uh, throw our tools into the ocean and just kind of... Just waltz off with a little shrug. Um <laughs> Just, I don't know. I, I was kind of surprised he went off at half time, but I mean, kind of as we looked at that shape, is like it's disappointing if you think about Windass as being in a free, or maybe he wasn't in a free. I don't I, know. I don't know. I don't know. But I think if we need someone in a free, we need someone better than Windass, or, or more suited towards that role, I should say. And then basically, oh. Windass should be kind of I don't know somewhere else on the pitch, maybe in a free role. Maybe do that. Maybe put him on the wing. Yeah. Well, weirdly, if you look at the um, player positions. He was further forward than uh, Fletcher today. So basically, player positions on on who scored again. Sorry, you know. Um, just want to reiterate Luke's point. By the way, the Gravy Boys can be bought. Um, you know, if you want to um, sponsor, send us things, anything. We're, we're well up for that sort of nonsense. Uh, we'll lie. We'll we'll say that we've you know we've enjoyed the product even if we can't have it. Um, <laughs> Joe Pelopesi, Barry Bannon. And Fletcher are kind of stood on each other's toes on the halfway line. And then there's a front three of the Cruz, uh, Windias and, uh, and Murphy. It's really quite, quite weird to think of it like that. But I did think Windas kind of was in more of those, oppor- you know, he got more of those opportunities than Fletcher did. Oh, very, It's very, very odd. Um, so, sorry, where, where did we land on the score for him? Windas, I gave him a six. Okay. And then what about Fletch? Um, okay, so the Samuel Beckett play Waiting for Godot addresses two characters, Vladimir and Estrigan, waiting for a character called Godot who never appears. Uh, Dr. Luke Ledl, a man of letters, is currently envisaging a dramatic reinterpretation, Wednesday-flavoured, waiting for Fletcher to reach fitness. Similar results. <laughs> Uh, it is. It's um, it's a frustrating time with, uh, with Mr. Fletcher because... Mm-hmm. We've got to give him the game time to get fit, but whilst he's this unfit, he's barely worth playing. I, I thought that was one of the big things against City. If we'd had Fletcher anywhere near his peak sort of performance, that would have been such a great sub to have brought on at that time, and I think it really would have changed the game, and we would have been able to kind of have a go at City. But he's not. He's not anywhere near it. <laughs> and what we had was a kind of old guy that lumbers around and doesn't look that interested. Mm. And we sort of had that guy again today, didn't we? Ooh, it's tricky. It's tricky. Um, it's okay. tricky to play a Fletcher who's player Fletcher who's not on time. It's tricky. It's tricky. I give him a 5.5 for Fletcher. Yeah, fair enough. Yeah. Uh, so then we had Wickham and yeah. Mm. 
fine. You know, again, another man who is yeah finding again form and fitness. I know, right. but we're, we're just desperately clutching at straws because we need we need the quality of these two players to score some goals to keep us in this league. And well, they are inching towards that hallowed day where it all comes together. <laughs> I know. But I feel more confident of Fletcher hitting that than Wickham does, to be yeah. honest with you. Yeah, I agree. Uh, Forestieri? I gave him a 5.5 as well. Um, you know, I, I think he should have started instead of De Cruz, but he didn't look, he didn't really didn't look much better than De Cruz today. No. It just felt like the typical, like the first 10, 15 minutes, he was kind of busy, kind of, the kind of, kind of fizzy and exciting, and then it all didn't lead to very much at all and no quality no end product it's sort of the prototypical forestieri performance we've had of late really oh um Kadeem harris came on eventually for stephen fletcher at the 65th minute and last but not least he's my man of a match with a, a whopping 6.5 he looked um, he looked bright didn't he i was gonna say i think unfortunately Having a player who basically, you know, won us some corners, which we didn't do anything with, yeah. you know, drifting in with his pace, um, you know, that was great. But obviously the disappointing thing was he didn't do much as corners. But that's nothing to do with um, Calvin Harris. No. You know, leave Calvin Harris out of it. He was he was good, you know, having just just having a bit of respite and just having a few moments where it looked like we gave him a little bit of kittens in the second half was fun. Yeah, exactly. He similar to uh, sort of Hunt shining in the last game of being the, uh, you know, the the, the bright spark in a a relatively, you know, dismal (laughs) performance. Uh, That's what he he sort of did today. Uh, You know, he's the only thing to kind of the only positive really to come out of an awful performance all round. He looked good. He looked sort of back to his best and hopefully we get to see him back, see him back doing that more often. Oh, well that's that then, isn't it? (laughs) That's that then. And actually from the uh, beginning of the podcast, that's actually something that kind of missed, which I want to kind of circle back on Rich. Um, So I was chatting to my eldest brother, Andy, who, uh, you know, told me he's enjoying the podcast, which really meant a lot to me during a pretty, I don't know, pretty rough kind of choppy week for me in terms of uh, terms of happenings and going on. And obviously it doesn't really get much better watching Sheffield Wednesday right now as well. Um, So he was basically saying that my my sister-in-law and my nephew don't really share the same enthusiasm. But the one thing I want to bring up was apparently when the theme tune comes on, my nephew once on one occasion shouted, oh, no, it's not that rubbish music that Man City come out to, is it? <laughs> so basically, I just want to give you some uh, recommendations, Rich. Just say thank you for the brilliant podcast that you put together for the podcast, you know, the intro to the podcast, the theme tune. <laughs> And um, it's been compared with 808 states in your face. Oh, there we go. <laughs> that was the inspiration. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe we'll get a different theme tune someday. Who knows? We'll, uh, there's plans. There's plans afoot, isn't there, Luke? There's, there's things going on in the background. I don't know. I like to think that much like Sheffield Wednesday, we don't have a long-term plan in place and we're very short-termism. And uh, <laughs> we may be, may be cancelled before the football club happens as well. Well, I think it's going to get fun around episode 40 when I decide to not speak to you anymore. <laughs> but, but, but we still have we still have an hour plus long podcast together. That sounds good. I can just do a giant monologue. Luke yeah. Gledel, Dr. Luke Gledel, Man of Letters, will <laughs> launch into a one-man Canyon Samuel Beckett type Sheffield Wednesday play. <laughs> yeah, two people separately monologuing on, on Sheffield <laughs> Wednesday, but never referencing the other person. Excellent. Oh, dear. I've heard some people say...
<laughs> oh dear. Well, that so much to look forward to. Uh, you know, this is a uh, this is a tough one. This is one of the, the one of the one of the worst performances I can remember, to be honest, uh, or one of the worst results no, I, at the very least. I I thought it was still markedly better than the game against Blackburn, though. You you might be right, which is awful, isn't it? We're racking them up. It's it's, it's been quite the season. Anyway, I'm going to say cheerio, Luke, and wish you the best for the week ahead. Have a good one, Rich. Have a good one. You too.